we want to be able to acquire the right amount of properties that make sense for the amount of passive income that we would require to be able to kind of retire early from our nine to fives. That doesn't mean I wouldn't continue to buy properties and renovate them. I would love to be able to take that on um, as my full-time world, right? Welcome to the InvestNest Real Estate Investing Show, a community for real estate investors to learn, network, and grow. Be sure to join the InvestNest.com and start learning and earning today. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Travis Murphy, your host of the InvestNest Real Estate Investing Show, and you're listening to podcast number 22. We've got another great invest guest joining us, Victoria Spinelli with Fornelli Properties. Her and her partner, Darren, are buy and hold multifamily investors from the Ontario, Canada area, and they've been investing since 2008. Victoria is going to tell us a little bit about their journey in just a minute, but before we get started, I want to remind everybody listening to the podcast to hit the subscribe button, and if you're enjoying the show so far, to leave a rating and review. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Invest Nest. And go check out theinvestnest.com. You can create a free profile and start networking with the other members that are on the site. Okay, and now we're going to welcome our guest, Victoria Spinelli, to the show. Uh, she is a buy and hold investor in the multifamily space. Her and her partner, Darren, have been, been investing since 2008, and I believe they're in the Ontario area. So uh, now we're going to welcome Victoria and let her tell us a little bit about herself. Victoria, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Me too. Likewise. I'm very glad to finally catch up with you. Um, I, I'm really impressed with what you guys are doing. You guys are doing a lot of cool things, it looks like, from what I can tell on your, your website. Um, and from what I understand, you guys are in the multifamily space. But can you tell us a little bit more about what it is you guys do? Yeah, for sure. So you're right. We are in the multifamily space. Um, we specifically look for properties that are underperforming. So either the rents are low, um, the units need some renovations. That's what appeals to us because then we can go in, we can improve those units, we can increase the market uh, or increase the rents, and then ultimately increase the value of those properties and ultimately do the Burr strategy to refinance get that additional equity out and then go and buy more properties and do it all over again. Awesome. I love it. So you guys are kind of after like that forced appreciation, um, yes. to kind of break down what you just said. You, you, you're buying an, un, you're buying an underperforming asset, improving whatever condition it's in the property condition, which in turn usually will allow you to raise the rent some. And if you can simultaneously clean up the, the, uh, the uh, P and L and reduce some of the expenses, you're improving what we all talk about a lot, which is the NOI or the net operating income. And based on some of the conversations we've talked about in the past, that in turn improves or raises the value of the property. So you basically force appreciation of that, that property that you bought. Absolutely. Um, we're lucky because the market that we're in as well, it naturally appreciates nicely as well. So we're able to kind of get both the forced and the natural appreciation to, to see that increase in the value. Awesome. And so even if you don't get that forced appreciation, you're in a good market, it sounds like, and you're you know, over time. And really with investing, that's what we should be doing anyway, right? It's a longer term play. We can, yes. we can try these other strategies. And if we are able to get some extra value out of it, that's kind of the cherry on top. But you know, as we all know, building the net worth and the balance sheet side of things over time is really that long term gain that we get out of buying real estate. 
So that's awesome. And then the fact that you guys are going after the Burr, which allows you to refinance and re, you know, return the capital to yourselves to recycle and then go out and buy additional properties. That's great. Yeah, um, exactly. It's actually funny because when I talk about doing the Burr, I knew what the Burr was for a while. And we always had the intent of buying the properties that we needed to improve to increase not only the value, but the cash flow. But we we didn't really execute the last R in the Burr until more recently. Okay. Um, so we're really starting to, we're actually going to be refinancing, I think, three or four more properties in the next month or two. Um, and we, we bought those three years ago and we've been turning the units over as the tenants have moved out. And there's just untapped equity in those properties that for some reason, we just weren't in the, the right mindset at that time mm-hmm. to actually refinance, take that money out and do something with it. And now we're like going full bore. <laughs> yeah. We want to take that money out. We want to buy, we want to do more. So, yeah. Well, right on. I mean, with as low as the interest rates are right now, I mean, exactly. you, can take, you can take advantage of that trapped equity, you know, re-leverage, reposition the leverage of your properties and re- return that capital to yourself to be able to go out and find additional investments. Yeah, so for sure. That's cool. So for a while, it's maybe you guys just were, you know, letting the properties get paid down and collecting rents, cash flowing. But really at the same time, that is help. That's building the equity that allows you to go and then refinance after a few years. Yeah, definitely. It was actually at the beginning when COVID all started that I personally had a major mindset change. Um, Before that, it was always my partner, Darren, he wanted to buy and I was resistant and I was concerned about the amount of debt, to be very honest. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's something that a lot of new investors or people that want to get into real estate investing are afraid of, is that amount of debt that they will have to carry. Um, but when you actually think about the ability to leverage yourself through the banks and only having to put down, in our case, you know, 20% and the bank's going to give you 80% and then the tenants are going to pay down your mortgage and then some if you're buying the right properties, there's really not a ton of risk in it. So when I had this mindset change at the very beginning of COVID, I was like, we need to buy more. Like we should have bought more years ago. <laughs> And if my partner hears me in the background, he's probably like, yeah, I told you. Um, but now I've caught up. So we're on the same page. And we're, like I said, we're going full bore forward. We want to buy more, as many as we can and keep going. Awesome. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, I've talked to, I know a lot of different investors, talked to a lot of different people that are investing in real estate. And there is, a, you know, there is kind of two sides to that coin. Some people are, let's leverage. And, you know, if you look at the return, if you re- measure the returns, you, it, it's, you're getting a higher return on your money because you're able to leverage other people's money for the investment versus that I don't want to take on too much debt and how much risk, you know, so I think it's a balance for every individual person of what that comfort level is. Definitely. You know, but from your perspective of what you just said, you know, you're, you're really are the risk level is mitigated to an extent, you know, that's why the banks want you to put down the down payment. It keeps that buffer there. Now, living through some of the past downturns in the economy, we all know that that can be affected. But again, back to what we were just talking about a few minutes ago, if you're investing with the mindset that you're going to be holding the property for a long period of time, that's usually your safety net. You know, exactly. so in five years from now, if the economy down, turns down and you're not as great in an equity position, as long as you're still cash flowing and the mortgage is being covered and you're, you know you're in a market that you're always going to be able to rent the units out, Five years later or 10 years later after that, it's almost a certainty that you're going to be in a good, 
uh, financial position. So it's, it's, it is a balance, but I'm with you, you know, you know, being aggressive, leveraging the fact that the interest rates are as low as they are right now. And if you're underwriting and running your numbers and you're feeling comfortable with the investments that you're making, that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. And that's something that, again, until recently, I wasn't doing that proper property analysis before buying. Like, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but I wasn't doing that proper analysis initially. And again, I'll say we got lucky in a sense because those properties have appreciated and we did have a plan to force their appreciation as well. Um, but now I definitely do a lot more number crunch crunching up front to make sure that when I buy this property, I'm cash flowing on purchase. I know exactly what I'm going to do to increase that cash flow, to increase that value. And I know the market and I know that that market that I'm investing in is going to continue to be strong. Yeah. So, so important. So important when you, and when you start looking at the numbers and the financials, it, it paints a different picture for you. You know, I, I, I know, I know investors who maybe didn't do as much of that in the past like you, but with real estate, that's one of the, that's one of the other beauties of, of real estate is even if you get it wrong, if you hold it long enough, you're usually still going to end up right. You can get yourself into trouble. So you do want to, you know, you do want to know what you're doing for sure. I preach educating yourself and, you know, get the more inform the more knowledge you can know about the, the asset, the market, the numbers, the finances behind it, the, the, the less risk, the less risky of a position you're going to put yourself into. Yeah. But by, but by doing that research and educating yourself, and when you start to get into the numbers, that's really, I think where the difference between people that um, are more in the camp of leveraging debt, it's because when you get into that financial analysis of the properties, it starts to paint a different picture of you. And if the more you understand it and the more you can see that, that like you said, it actually isn't as risky as I think people may think it is by taking on this extra debt. So that was, a good point that you brought up. Um, but tell me a little bit more about you guys. How did you, how did you and Darren get into this? Like, where did you guys start? Yeah. So Darren started before me, before he met me, he purchased a five plex. Um, and he knew he wanted to buy the most rundown property on the street and he was going to put sweat equity into improving that property. So he did that over years. <laughs> And then we actually started working at the same company together because we both still work our nine to five jobs, by the way. This is a whole real estate investing is a side job for us currently. We'll talk about that later, but <laughs> I'd love to get out of a nine to five. Um, but so we met at our jobs and he told me all his landlording stories and I found them super entertaining. And I've always loved just houses and kind of like DIY. And I used to watch all those shows on TV and I loved it. And so I heard his stories and he was like, let's buy a property. <laughs> and I was like, um, okay, sure. Why not? So we started looking and again, we're like, let's just find like the most rundown cheapest property in the market. And I think we literally bought the cheapest duplex in the market. It was 105,000. And just to give you some perspective, a duplex in that market today, you're looking at at least 400,000. So it's gone up quite a bit. So we bought it. It needed a lot of work. Um, I actually didn't even see that property before buying it. Darren went out to see it. He showed me, I think, a, a walkthrough video of it. And I was like, yeah, why not? Again, not really doing like the proper <laughs> due diligence that I should have done at the time. Um, but I trusted him and I knew he had the skills to do what we needed to do to it. So we put the offer in. We got that property. 
and we sort of put a plan together. <laughs> um, but we tore that one down almost to, well, we did tear it down to basically the foundation. It was an old one and a half story. So, you know, when you go upstairs and you've got like the slanted low ceilings. So we tore off that second story. We rebuilt it so that it was full height. And then we were going to do an up down um, duplex. And oh my goodness, that was a learning experience for me. I literally did every task that you could possibly think of. The only things that we outsourced on that project were um, HVAC, plumbing, and mudding because mudding is an art and if you don't do that right then your whole house is going to look like a disaster yeah, it equals a lot more sanding if you don't do it right <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we literally did everything else in that property i actually taught my dad how to install windows because he came out and helped us with that property um it was a long project because again we were doing that on our weekends we were going out there and where we invest is about an hour away from where we live. So we're driving out there early Saturday morning, putting in a full day's work, Saturday, Sunday. And it took us three years, which sounds crazy. Um, but the sweat equity paid off. But I definitely learned a lot of what I would do going forward and what I wouldn't do going forward. So it was a really good experience. And that was the goal, right? We wanted to do the work. We wanted to see what was worth paying for next time. Or what, you know, what can we do um, realistically that's not going to cause me to go crazy or insane? Because there were times where I felt a little insane. Like, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> but it worked out. It worked out really well. Like I mentioned, we bought it for 100000 I think we put 120000 into it, which for the amount of work we did is amazing. If we outsourced that, it would have been so much more expensive. And we just refinanced that one. Um, for, and it was appraised at 415,000. Awesome. So I'll say that was a pretty good deal. <laughs> it sounds like it. So there, there's a lot of cool stuff in what you just said. I mean, basically the fact that, you know, you didn't know what you were going to like about doing the improvements yourself or until you, you did it. But what you, what happened in that process is that you learned, like you said, you learned what, you know, mistakes not to repeat, what you're good at, what you may not be as good at, what was cost effective, what wasn't cost effective, but you wouldn't have known that if you guys hadn't tried that or if you had never tried that. The, exactly. second, the second thing out of what you guys, what you just said that you guys did um, that was really, you know, really cool is, or that you did is that Darren kind of pushed you a little bit. And I think we all need that to an extent. You know, you may have been really new to real estate investing at the time. I'm not sure. And maybe he was the one talking to you, but we all, whatever that relationship is, we all kind of have almost like that mentor, you know, even yep. if it's not an official mentor, I think people that are looking to get into real estate investing usually are doing it because they've seen somebody else that they know that's doing it or have heard about somebody else that they know that that's doing it. And to have somebody like that really does help push you. But at the same time, you, you, you don't, that's the thing that for a lot of us gets us, you know, gets us in the door. But yes, if you can, if you can do that, if you can get yourself motivated enough and build up the courage to do it, I'm sure regardless if you had been doing it with Darren or not, you were still got, you guys were still going to run into mistakes, right? And you were still sure. going to run into challenges and you both still learned. So you, I'm sure you could have done it on your own, but the fact that you did have somebody pushing you, I'm sure helped, helped a lot. So that it definitely cool. helped. I don't know if I would have taken the plunge without him kind of pushing me there. 
Uh, one of my first jobs out of school was at a private commercial real estate company and he bought heritage buildings in Toronto and he restored them. So he essentially did the burr. He bought these properties that were heritage. He restored them to their former glory, got really high end tenants in there. So he raised the value a lot refinance them. So I actually remember sitting in his office and him telling me about this process. And I was like, a light bulb went off. I was like, that's amazing. But I didn't take the steps myself and put it into action because I was on my own. So I really do think that meeting Darren and him having done it already himself at the same level, like not the heritage building, like that's a much larger level, but at like this, the same level that I would probably feel comfortable from a risk perspective doing um definitely pushed me to do it because i i honestly don't know if i would have done it if he didn't push me mm -hmm. yeah and and for everybody out there listening who doesn't have a darren because we all don't have a darren there <laughs> there are things that you can do though you can go check out our website the invest nest and network with people i'm sure you're able to find networking events in your local area and those may seem intimidating to you but i promise you if you if you find a local real estate investing meetup and you go out and check them out, the people are going to be welcoming. There's always people of all different levels of investing experience. Um, the ones who have experience are always open to, to helping the people who are getting started. And there's always people there that are looking to partner on things. So if anything, not only do you make some new friends, you talk a little real estate, there's a good chance you might find some opportunity there as well. So I, I always recommend getting out to local networking meetups. It's a, it's a good place to get started. Absolutely. That's a really good point. Um, because I mentioned the mindset change that I had earlier this year. And when I had that mindset change, I decided I wanted to join a mentorship program. So it was a group program. I joined that. And there are so many people in that group who all want to do the same thing. They all have their own experiences and they can provide some great advice and you can go into that group anytime you have a question or an issue and they're willing to help you. So yeah, I agree. There's people everywhere that are doing investing and that are willing to help you if you, if you just ask. Yeah, absolutely. And exactly. It's like what we've been talking about, even if you don't have like a, a mentor or a Darren or whatever, if you build out your network and you make these contacts, it's, you're going to have that support system. Th those are the things that I always try to drive home when I'm talking to people about real estate investing is one, you've got to start educating yourself, right? You need to have some basis of what's going on. You need to understand the, the, the financials behind it to uh, some extent and be able to kind of talk the talk. So that way, if you go to these networking events, you at least know a little bit about what, what words to use to have a conversation about real estate but it's educating yourself and that's a continual process. I'm still always trying to learn more. Um, and then it's, it's building out that network, making those contacts, establishing those relationships. I mean, you know, you'd be surprised. I mean, you wouldn't, but the, our listeners would probably be surprised if they've not been to meetups like that. You find contractors, you can find real estate agents that work specifically with investors. You can find wholesalers, lenders, hard money lenders. I mean, you know, it's, it's a great, it's a great resource for people that are looking to get started. Um, for sure. Another thing that's really cool about what you guys are doing. And I think this, this probably helped to an extent, I'm guessing when you were saying you didn't do as much of the underwriting or due diligence in the past, you had that built in kind of safety net of doing all the work yourself. Yes, that's so true. <laughs> that sweat equity. That's an extra, that's another, uh, you know, part of the, 
piece to the puzzle there. Cause, you know, so you've got your cost of your debt and you've got your expenses, but if you're doing an improvement project, your, you know, your, your, your capital improvements, CapEx, whatever you want to call it, that's another factor that you, you need to put into your calculation to make sure the deal works. If you're doing a lot of that yourself, that's saving you a lot of money, which in turn helps the investment be more successful. I guess you could say though, it could cost you money if you get into, if you take on something that you're not experienced with, you know, it, it, doing things yourself. Honestly, experienced contractors can get into trouble. It just happens in construction. Sometimes when you tear things down and start tearing walls apart, you find things that you weren't expecting. Yep. <laughs> so so there's, there's not really a right or wrong answer, but I like the fact that you guys were doing it yourself. I'm sure that helped you. And if anything, I'm sure you learned a lot. Uh, that project that you were talking about, it was the over under duplex that you guys started with. So you tore the roof off of this and rebuilt the, the roof. roof. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a literally the whole second story came off and we rebuilt that. Yeah. All the exterior sheathing, took that out, fully re-insulated everything. Like, I'm not kidding. It, you could look through the house completely from front to back. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's a project. But you know what? That's, that's a crash course in construction, contracting 101 right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure you got a good bit of uh, experience and education out of that process. And I'm, like you said, I'm sure there were some challenges along the way. What... Where are you guys at now in regards to doing the improvements yourself? Are you guys still doing the, the, the renovations? Are you outsourcing any of it? Where, where are you we guys at are, that process? We're still doing the renovations. Um, we haven't undertaken any type of work that was quite to that extent of the duplex. So it's mainly like, you know, we go in, uh, maybe it's a new kitchen or a new bathroom vanity, new floors, painting, change of the light fixture. So simpler stuff we've been doing we've outsourced any of the capital stuff like windows and and roof we haven't been doing that stuff on our own but i do have a goal that i'd like to start outsourcing more of the work but i'm still open to doing some of the work myself because it just makes sense if i have the time um, and i can go and paint the unit and clean it up quickly i'm gonna do that i'm gonna save a couple dollars i'm gonna turn the unit over myself why not um, but if there are any units that need to be like completely gutted, I'd probably look at outsourcing some of those tasks, yeah. um, just to get it done a little bit quicker and get a new tenant in there quicker. Yeah. And that's, what's so great about the fact that you guys did take on those, uh, those, uh, challenges in the past of doing the renovations. You, you, you got a really good sense of what makes sense for you guys from a financial standpoint and a time standpoint of you know where that balance is and there really is no right or wrong answers if you can build in the cost of improvements into your modeling and it the deal is still a good deal and you're able to do that and execute it and have it be a good investment the the upside to that is by you not spending all of your time doing that renovation if you can still make it work by outsourcing it that frees you up to simultaneously maybe do another so instead exactly. of just doing one you might be able to do three at once um but at the same time Again, everybody's different. Everybody's goals are different. If there's a deal or you're in a market that's challenging and there's, there's hard to find a deal that works, you may have to put a little bit of that sweat equity into it, or you might like to do it. And if you haven't done it before, you may want to do it just to find out if you're good at it or if you like it or if you don't like it. So there isn't, there's no right or wrong answer, but I like the fact that you guys did it and you took it on, you, you took that challenge on and for better or worse, you guys learned what you learned. And now it sounds like you've got a pretty good, you know, idea of, how to treat these your new projects yeah 
I like what you said about, you know, if you build those numbers into your analysis up front, then you know what you can pay for to get done and what you may have to do on your own. And again, that was something I was not doing. So now when I'm analyzing deals, I'm definitely trying to make sure that if I'm going to put an offer in, that I can outsource as much of the work as possible if I want to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And that's what it comes down to. You know, it's, it's, it's looking at the deal before you're in it and making that determination. And if it's a deal that you looks like you're going to have to do a bunch of the work yourself in order to make it work. And you're somebody that doesn't have that time or maybe that ability that may not be the deal for you. you exactly. Know? But no, that's, that's good advice. That's good stuff. So what are, how many units are you guys up to? Let's talk a little bit about your guys portfolio, where you guys are right now currently and where yeah. you're going. So we have 19 units across five properties. So like the, the five plex I mentioned that Darren has a duplex and now three fourplexes. We actually just closed on our latest fourplex um, a week ago. Awesome. Congratulations. So, thank you. Yeah, we were actually out there this weekend um, because one of the units came um, vacant. So we wanted to clean that up and, and rent that out at higher rent, of course. So that one will actually be easier than most of the renos that we've been doing. It's a purpose-built fourplex whereas all of our other properties are converted and anybody that's purchased converted knows that there's, you're going to find crazy stuff <laughs> anytime you open up a wall or whatever. So this is a lot going to be a lot easier. Um, we actually got a lot done this weekend, which is great. So we're hoping to have it rented out um, for January 1st. Awesome. And real quick, just for people that may not be familiar with, with um, what Victoria was talking about there. A converted like duplex, triplex, quad, it's like an old house that wasn't really originally built to be a multifamily property. And somebody at some point in time renovated or converted it and built it into separate units within one original dwelling. A purpose-built quad or purpose-built multifamily is built from day one and laid out with however many number of units. Those are a lot easier properties to renovate or update because the plumbing is all in the right place that it's supposed to be for each unit's bathroom or kitchen. You know, the electrical, it's all laid out and stacked usually. It's basically like working with a clean, a more clean canvas. If it's a repurposed property, you have no idea where the plumbing lines would be or the electric lines are coming from or going to. And, you know, what, like you said, is behind the walls. It can be a really big question mark and a really big challenge. So I just wanted to point that out to the listeners, what you meant there, because that's, that makes a difference when you're looking at properties and evaluating properties. Honestly, I usually find that those properties that were converted are the ones that seem to be less expensive and are the ones that catches everybody's eye and maybe the, the, the finances look better. It's got higher cap rate. You know, when you find those purpose-built properties, those are typically like a nicer asset usually. doesn't mean you can't find the opportunities there, um, but I think that's for, for a lot of people out there. You get started, you take whatever you can get as you start moving forward and building your portfolio out. I think people usually try to find those types of properties the further along they go. So 19 doors, you said? Yes. That's awesome. Good job. Good for, good for you guys. And do you guys self-manage or, or are you outsourcing the management? We outsource the management, <clears throat> excuse me, because it is about an hour away. So just for peace of mind, we do have a property manager. He manages all the day-to-day -day stuff. He finds us tenants for the vacancies. He knows that we're hands-on. So if there are issues, um, he will run things past us so that we have an opportunity to take care of anything that we may want to, but 
he does all the lawn and uh, lawn care and snow removal and stuff like that. So we don't have to drive out there and do any of that stuff. Awesome. And back to like a lot of the stuff we're talking about, again, there's not really a right or wrong way. You know, if, if you can, if the numbers support having management, you know, there's nothing wrong with outsourcing that. What it, what it does is allow you to scale a little bit quicker. Usually if you're not also the one managing the properties, you know, if you've only got a few units or it's your first one and it's local managing yourself, isn't bad. You know, you save a little bit of money and you probably learn some things by doing that. But when you get to a certain point, um, and again, if the, if the, the financial modeling behind it and the numbers support it, you can still cash flow even outsourcing the management. There's nothing wrong with that either. For sure. Um, and I even suggest if you're crunching numbers on a deal and you're planning to self-manage to assume that you're going to outsource that at some point and make sure that it will still work even if you outsource the property management. Great point. Excellent point. That, I love that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reiterate that one time for everybody listening. Even if you plan to manage the property yourself, if you can build that into the numbers and still cash flow outsourcing the property management, that is another safety net that you're building in because even though you may be planning to manage it off the bat that may change your circumstance and life may change you may not be able to do that as easily so knowing that you have the ability to outsource the management if you have to or want to at some point in the future and still being able to cash flow that's great good good advice right there i like that so where where what is your and darren's long-term investing goals where are you going from here where do you hope to be um you know five years from now where, where, what's the next step I hope to not be at my nine to five. <laughs> like I said earlier, um, we want to be able to acquire the right amount of properties that make sense for the amount of passive income that we would require to be able to kind of retire early from our nine to fives. That doesn't mean I wouldn't continue to buy properties and renovate them. I would love to be able to take that on um, as my full-time world, right? So ultimately the goal is retire early from our nine to fives and do something that we love doing. And I truly love the process of real estate investing, taking an asset that might not be so loved currently, and it needs to be given a little bit of love and walking through that process of, of making it look better, putting in a nice tenant that's going to love the place that they live. Um, and then of course, generating <laughs> the additional income and the additional um, appreciation. That's all part of it, of course, but I truly love that process of looking at this dump or, you know, for lack of a better word and making it something beautiful. Um, so that's what I see. I would love for that to happen before the next five years. We actually engaged with um, a mortgage broker. We hadn't done that previously, but we did um, a couple of months back and she put together a whole plan for how we can achieve that goal. So she said, you know, you need to buy this amount of properties and then you need to sell off some of those properties to pay down some of the mortgages on the other properties so that you can increase your passive cash flow and then you'll be able to leave um, your your nine to five job and she's also got plans for you know once you leave your nine to five i don't know some of the new investors may not even think about this but it will be harder to go and get financing so she talks about making sure that um, you're lined up in such a way that when you do leave your nine to five, that you won't be blocked by that. It may be still more challenging, but she wants to make sure that we have everything in place to make sure we can continue to do what we, we love and want to keep doing. So that was something that, again, it was a light bulb 
that turned on for me earlier this year. It's like, I need to get these people on my team, right? I need to have a mortgage broker on my team who knows what I want to do, knows what my goals and my vision are, and can make sure that we're doing the right things to achieve it. Yeah, absolutely. So the goal sounds like financial freedom, escaping the rat race. Financial freedom, um, time freedom, location freedom. Because right now we're, we're kind of stuck where we are. We're in the rat race, like literally. And we don't want to be stuck here anymore. We want to be able to go see our families who don't live in the city that we live in. So it's, it's all of the above, the financial freedom, the time freedom, the location freedom. I love it. I mean, that's the thing, you know, you said we want to be able to retire early. That doesn't necessarily mean like just sitting on a beach somewhere, sipping Mai Tais for the rest of your life. You still plan to work and do whatever it is that you want to do to continue generating income, but it's on your own terms. It's yes. not, you know, you're not, you're not punching the time clock. You're not at somebody else's mercy, somebody else's scheduling mercy. It, it not only gives you that financial freedom, but like you just said that I love, it gives you that time freedom. <laughs> if you're not going to if you're not going to a job every day, that gives you the time to go find more deals and find more investments, improve the investments that you already have, travel, spend time with family and loved ones, whatever. I mean, that's that's kind of what I think it's about for a lot of us. Um, and the and the other thing I love that you guys are doing is meeting with you know financial advisors, mortgage brokers, and kind of coming up with a plan to actually execute that, not just hoping and wanting for that to happen but you're looking at what you need to do in order to hit that goal. So you've set the goal and now you're going, you, you're outlining how to get there. So you've got a plan that you can put into action. And that I think is the biggest difference between people that actually get there and the people that don't get there. Yeah. So that that's really, really good stuff. So you guys are, you guys are doing a lot out this past weekend doing the renovations yourself. You both have full-time jobs. Do you ever have time for fun? And if so, what is it that you guys do? <laughs> when you're not working and, and renovating uh, multifamily? There was a period of time where I don't think I had a lot of fun <laughs> doing that duplex uh, reno. But uh, yeah, when we do have time, I like to get outside. I like to go hiking, um, kayaking, and I love to travel. So uh, anywhere, I'll go anywhere. We went to um, Columbia last year for two weeks and it was amazing. Um, just the nature, the people, just getting away. Yeah. yeah. Traveling is my thing. If I could travel all the time, I would do that. So real estate investing will allow me to do that um, on my own terms and I'll still be able to participate and respond as needed, but I'll have a team locally that can basically manage anything that I need them to. So I don't have to worry about always being there, which is so amazing. Um, and something that not a lot of other occupations can really provide. Yeah, no, for sure. And one thing you said in there about when you were doing that renovation pro pro uh, project, not having that much time, sometimes that's what it takes. You know, it's not all, it's not all perfect all the time, you know, to get where you want to be in life, you have to put the work in. I mean, real estate investing doesn't just provide an ATM machine that has unlimited cash at your disposal. You, know, you have to put the work in. It takes it takes time and effort, but what it does that's I guess differently than just spending time and effort at your job where you get a paycheck and then it's spent on your bills that month. You're, what you're working towards and building is setting yourself up for the future to allow you to then possibly retire early and live off of the fruits of all that labor. Uh, labor whereas, you know, as this, instead of it just being disposable income, 
or transactional income, you've got reoccurring income from these assets that you've spent time improving and building over time. So that's really cool. Another theme that keeps coming through from you that I, that I really like is the fact that you talk about building your team. And that's another, that's another aspect to real estate investing that I'm a huge fan of. I talk about it a lot. None of us can wear all the hats all the time. You know, I mean, we might be able to, but again, that's going to make it more difficult to scale. So if you're to get your first one, yeah, do as much of it as you can. Obviously that's going to help save your, your costs and, and again, make this investment more successful. But as you grow and as you want to build out your portfolio and as you want to scale, the way to do that is by building a team and you don't have to start a new business and make them business partners. They have uh, your, your team members have their own independent business. What they provide you in turn, you're providing them as far as value goes. So I talk about having a, a realtor that's geared towards investors because not all of them like to work with investors, but a realtor that knows what you're looking for and can help you identify problem, properties and send them to you. A property manager, a contractor, if you're planning to outsource that and lenders, you know, so, but if you can do this and you can build these, this team and have these key uh, roles in place, not only that it, does that allow you to invest in your market, but if you can do that in another market, it allows you to and start to invest in other markets fairly easily if you've got all those pieces in place. Um, so that's really cool. I keep hearing you bring that up and I just wanted to point that out to all of our yeah. listeners. Um, okay, so real quickly, we're, we're gonna do our, our little segment here, advice from our invest guest. So I'm gonna ask you three questions real quick. Uh, okay. Number one, what is one thing that you could recommend to people that they can do right now to get started in real estate investing if they haven't started yet? Join Facebook groups or the invest nest group and talk to people, ask the questions that you're scared about or that you don't know and don't feel stupid. Just ask because people will help you and you will get answers and then you can move forward. Love it. Great advice. There is no wrong. There's no dumb question, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Okay. Number two, one thing that you would do differently now, if you were to go back and do it again, um, that might save some listeners some headache. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot of things I would probably do differently. Um, I would make sure that I'm analyzing the deal before I'm pulling the trigger, <laughs> like understand how to analyze a deal before you actually buy something and know that it's going to work and you have, um, your risk mitigated. Yeah. Perfect answer. And that's, you know, people that say they can't invest or they're not going to be able to invest because they don't have the money. You can still start analyzing deals. You know, yes. you can still start looking for properties, even if you're maybe not in a position yet to actually purchase it. The more deals you analyze, whether you're able to buy it or end up buying it or not, you start to see and learn the numbers and what is making sense and what's not. And it, it teaches you by recognition, I guess, of what looks like a good deal and what doesn't. So at some point in time, when you're ready to start taking these down, the more of those deals that you've analyzed, you'll, you'll, it'll help you recognize a good deal. Um, Absolutely. Easy. And don't feel defeated if you crunch the numbers on a hundred deals and none of them make sense. That's great. You, like you just said, you've learned something from that and you didn't make a mistake buying that property without doing that analysis to determine that it wasn't a good deal. So you will have to crunch numbers on a lot of properties. It's just a reality of the game. Um, but don't, don't let that make you defeated. Perfect. Yeah. And I mean, depending on the market you're in, it can be a challenge. You may have to 
analyze a hundred or 200, you know, it might take 99 deals, but the hundredth one could be the one that, you know, works for you. The other thing I do want to say with that, the, with regards to that is there is, you know, the analysis paralysis at syndrome. <laughs> so you don't want to get bogged down looking for the absolute most perfect deal. Cause you're probably never going to find it. Um, so, you know, but I guess the point of what we're talking about right now is the, the more that you're educating yourself by analyzing these deals, even if you're not in a position to purchase one, you still are learning a lot about what goes into an investment property and what makes a, a what makes an investment a good one versus a bad one. So the last question for you for our advice from our invest guest is, do you have a book recommendation or something that you would point to for people that want to learn more about this stuff? Yeah, it's probably been said a million times, but rich dad, poor dad, that whole mindset change that I talked about earlier this year started from me reading rich dad, poor dad. He talks about the difference between the rich and the poor and the life cycle of their money. Um, and it's a huge eye opener. I don't want to say too much more. Just read the book. Like, honestly, it will change your, your mind. I love it. Love it. It never gets old. I mean, it's because it, it, it's true. You know, if anybody's heard of the book and has not read it yet and wonders why people always talk about it, just go read the book. I yeah. mean, it's, it's going to change your perspective on how you think about money and income and uh, your financial freedom, your financial future. Just go check it out. Uh, all right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Victoria. Yeah, I had I, a great time. Yeah, for absolutely. <laughs> how, for sure. My pleasure. How, how can people contact you? How can they get in touch with you? How can they learn more about you guys? Um, where can people connect? Yeah. So we're active on Instagram. We're at Fornelli Properties. And uh, our website is www.fernelliaproperties.com. And we're also on Facebook, just Fernelli Properties. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. And I'll, I'm going to link all the, all, I'm going to put all those links in the show notes below so everybody can easily find you guys. Uh, well, this has been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate you joining me, Victoria. Yeah, thank um, you so much. Yeah, and hopefully maybe one day we'll get Darren on with us. Um, but yeah, no, this has been a lot of fun. Um, you know, I hope to have you back sometime. I hope you guys have happy holidays. Um, yes, you too. Yeah, and staying safe. I know it's been a crazy year, so stay safe and good luck with all of your investments. And yeah, thanks again for coming on. Thank with you very much. And I also want to thank all of our listeners out there for joining me again this week. Please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming podcasts. You can also check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Invest Nest. And of course, go check out theinvestnest.com. So hope everybody has a good, happy, safe holiday. And thank you all for joining me. We'll see you next time. I'm your host, Travis Murphy, and this is The Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show. Thanks again, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the InvestNest Real Estate Investing Show. Be sure to join the InvestNest.com and start learning and earning today.